1: at luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington, and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. 18 plus. Hey, everybody. Gary Sisti here, Lightning
4: Round Podcast. We are doing a special episode today, kind of a bonus episode, because last week we did the 200 episodes. We did it live. Uh, we had some issues, but still, we got through it. Uh, that is out. So if you want to go listen to that, you can. We did that live together. Uh, but today, we're going to be doing a best of Lightning Round Podcast. Now, a lot of people during leading up to the week and a couple of days after episode 200, people were getting pretty nostalgic and talking about their favorite episodes, uh, their favorite bits that have happened, um, how they've been here from the beginning, all the fun stuff that we've done here on the lightning round podcast. And I thought it would be nice to re-air our best of lightning round podcast, which we did for episode 100. Uh, there's a lot of great bits in here, a lot of things that people were talking about. And I thought, why not just re-air it, and everybody can listen to it and enjoy it again. This is kind of the greatest hits of the Lightning Round podcast. A lot has happened since episode 100, obviously, and a lot of great bits, but uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this. So I just thought, as a bonus episode, before we wrap up the game against the Chiefs, we'll just throw an extra episode out and have you guys enjoy it. So this is it, episode 201. This is the best of the lightning round podcast
2: throughout the show today we're showcasing some of the best moments of 100 episodes on the lightning round podcast this one is from our christmas special entitled the dean who stole christmas
4: Every boy and girl in San Diego liked Christmas a lot, but one owner who lived in La Jolla did not.
2: Dean Spanos hated the fans the whole football season.
4: Now, please don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. It could be because his head wasn't screwed on just right. It could be perhaps that he and his sons weren't all that bright.
2: But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his wallet was two sizes too small.
4: Whatever the reason, his account or his kin, he stood there on Christmas Eve, not knowing how to win.
2: Staring out from his office with a sad, sour frown, seeing all the Charters fans happy,
0: mingling
4: around town.
0: What's with all the glee? He
4: snarled with a sneer. He detested every single bit of this holiday cheer.
0: Tomorrow is Christmas. How can I make it less pleasant?
2: Then he growled, thinking of giving the worst Christmas present.
0: I won't make a decision. And keep the fans second-guessing.
4: For tomorrow, he thought, everyone in San Diego would be stressing.
0: Why, for 55 years, I've put up with this town now. I must stop these Chargers fans from caring. But how?
4: Then he got an idea. A terrible idea. Dean got a painfully terrible idea.
2: I know just what to do. Dean mumbled in his throat and he penned his idea for getting the Chargers fans goat. And he chuckled and clucked.
0: What a sneaky dean trick. They'll never forgive me. I'll look like such a dick. All we need is a single reporter to use, and it will all come together after the Chargers lose. Quickly, he found a desperate local hack and set his plan
4: in motion to stab fans in the back.
2: He planted a story about leaning towards L.A., knowing Chargers fans will wake up to the news the next day.
4: Not only that, Dean wanted to throw in rebranding, hoping no Bolts fan would be left standing.
2: He decided to go for the big knockout punch and do the one thing that would make every fan lose their lunch.
0: He
4: then
2: yelled,
0: I know how to ruin Christmas forever!
4: Dean began to light up. He thought he
2: was clever. I've got it! He exclaimed much to his
4: like, Here's a four-year extension for Milktoast Mike! He finally burnt it to the ground, once and for all. Now there's no reason for them to follow football. Christmas morning has come,
2: the city glowing. Everyone feels the holiday cheer, even
4: though it's not snowing. The kids are all excited, opening the last gift. Dean sits alone, waiting for the emotional shift.
0: It's about that time. Let's hear them grieve. They're finding out now that the team just may leave. On this Christmas morning, I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the boys and girls of San Diego will all cry boo-hoo. That's a noise that I simply must hear.
4: So he paused, and Dean put a
0: hand to his ear.
2: But there were no tears of fear and no screams
4: of terror. He opened his computer and barked, This must be an error! He stared at his monitor, and Dean popped his eyes. Then he shook what he saw was a shocking surprise.
2: There was no backlash on this Christmas AM. The city wasn't on fire. The streets weren't filled with mayhem.
4: Every San Diegan was happy just enjoying the holiday, celebrating Christmas in their own special way.
2: What he hadn't realized was the people of this beach town had been beaten up for years and had once worn a frown.
4: But today was Christmas, and at this point no one cared. This was the news that everyone had all prepared. And Dean stared blankly,
2: mind moving real slow, stood puzzling and puzzling.
0: How could it be so? I said I was moving. I would change the name. I even extended McCoy, that lame brain. And he puzzled three hours
4: till his puzzler was sore. Then Dean thought of something he hadn't thought
0: before. Maybe Christmas isn't about the final score. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, needs a little bit more. Maybe people only care about players and the memories. Maybe it's not about the name. Maybe it's not all about
4: me. And what happened then? Well, in San Diego, they say, that Dean Spanos finally realized the fans won that day.
2: Though most weren't there to say they were a witness, legacy has it that every Chargers fan still had a...
4: Merry
2: Christmas! Christmas.
4: I know after what's unfolded, that bit is a little hard to swallow. So, to follow that up, here we are unloading, and deservingly so, on the Spanos family and their complete incompetence.
2: Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates don't deserve this.
4: Play the music! No, 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 not that one. Play the music.
2: It must be nice to be born into a real estate empire and handed the keys to an NFL franchise without earning a nickel of the spoils that came along with It, it must be nice knowing you can screw up everything you touch as an NFL owner, waste the careers of several Hall of Famers, and never have to worry about losing a dime or being held accountable for it.
4: The people of San Diego have danced around this topic for years, but the time has finally come to stop beating around the bush. Dean Spanos is incompetent. It may seem harsh, but what else do you call a man who butchers nearly every football and business decision which he's faced? Rivers and Gates
2: don't deserve to be chained to an inept owner like Dean Spanos. Frankly, none of the players deserve this fate. But the fact that Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates must suffer through it in the twilight of their careers is downright criminal. This man can't get anything right. Not even the most basic decisions. He refused to settle petty differences between A.J. Smith and Marty Schottenheimer after a 14-2 season. He replaced Schottenheimer with Norv Turner. He waited two years too long to fire Norv. And now seems destined to wait a year too long to fire Mike McCoy. And that says nothing of how he handled the relocation mess in 2015.
4: Not only did he whine about not being able to get a stadium deal done in San Diego during one of the darkest political periods in history of our city, but he actually planned to build a new stadium in Carson on a dump site and share it with the Raiders, all while hiding behind Mark Fabiani, who should, by the way, be fired the second Dean announced the team would be seeking a solution in San Diego.
2: What you fail to realize, Dean, is that no one likes you. Not the politicians you stonewalled last year, Not the loyal fans you seem intent on alienating every chance you get, not the local media, and certainly not the NFL owners you were so convinced would hand you Carson on a silver platter. Well, they may think you're a nice guy, but they clearly don't trust you as an operator.
4: Ironically, Dean, your franchise quarterback has been quoted multiple times, he has to laugh to keep from crying. As Charger fans... We echo river sentiment because every player who has ever made an impact on the city is chased out of town. Our city's heroes who impact our community are shown the door while you sit atop your now laughingstock of a franchise and force former chargers out like Junior Seau, LaDainian Tomlinson, Rodney Harrison, Drew Brees, Eric Weddle, Vincent Jackson,
2: Luis Vasquez, Darren Sproles, and Michael Turner. Don't even get me started on the Joy Bosa debacle. Only Dean could possibly butcher contract negotiations with the number three overall pick, when the length and value of the contract is predetermined. He can cling to his offset precedent all he wants. The bottom line is he's cheap and petty and saw more value in strong-arming his first-round pick than getting him into camp. How's that working out for you, Dean?
4: Philip Rivers and Antonio Gates don't deserve this. They don't deserve a ham-fisted owner like Dean Spanos, who would put his children in key positions of the Chargers franchise rather than hire actual employees who have football experience. See, John Spanos,
2: simply growing up around a football team does not make you qualified to work as a football executive. Any more than watching movies makes me a film director, or having a checking account makes me qualified to run a bank.
4: Tell me, how does John Spanos, coming straight out of college, graduating with a degree in business, give him any qualifications to become an NFL scout? Also, how does a father hold his son accountable when he repeatedly fails at his job? The answer is simple. He promotes him. What motivation is
2: there for John Spanos to perfect his craft when his father repeatedly ignores his shortcomings and continues to move him up the corporate ladder?
4: As if John Spanos' failures in the draft room aren't enough, he's also responsible for hiring Mike McCoy and Tom Telesco. In fact, John Spanos hired Ron Wolfe to help with his last coaching search and ultimately decided to hire McCoy against Wolfe's recommendation because John liked Mike. Well, Ron Wolf recommended Bruce Arians.
2: The Chargers have a GM that wastes their future by giving up draft picks to trade up for the wrong guys. Telesco has traded up for inside linebacker Manti Teo, who hasn't played a full season in his career and is currently replaced by a better rookie fifth-round pick. He, he trades up for Jerry Itachi, who is currently the third outside linebacker on the depth chart, again, behind a fifth-round pick. Chargers traded up for Melvin Gordon, giving up more picks for a running back who didn't score a single touchdown in his rookie season.
4: How about wasting draft picks on guys like DJ Fluker over Star Tulele or DeAndre Hopkins?
2: Trading up for Manti Teo over Quan Short or Le'Veon
4: Bell. Wasting a draft pick on Steve Williams who's not even on the team anymore? Trading up for Jerry Itachu over Jarvis Landry or Alan Robinson. Choosing Chris Watt over Dante Moncrie
2: for John Brown? Wasting draft picks on Marion Grice and Tevin Reitz who didn't even make it out of camp.
4: Trading up for Melvin Gordon over Marcus Peters? Or choosing...
2: Craig Meger over Henry Anderson and David Johnson.
4: How about Telesco's free agent signings? Gems like Derek Cox, Donald Butler, Jacoby Jones, Donald Brown, Stevie Johnson, Jimmy Wilson, Trevor
2: Robinson, Dwight Lowry, Orlando Franklin. So Telesco's draft strategies haven't paid off. His free agent signings haven't paid off. And the Chargers are officially trending in the wrong direction and Mike McCoy is still the head coach.
4: Mike McCoy has turned the San Diego Chargers into monumental failures. McCoy has mismanaged games, the clock, game plans, and players. If a football team takes on the mentality of their coach, it's no wonder this team has been epically flat over his tenure. The Chargers are soft, disorganized, and completely incapable of closing. All characteristics they've clearly taken off from their head coach. McCoy, you keep telling us that it's your fault. The team just needs to keep grinding and find a way to fix it. Well, it's become painfully evident that you can't fix it because you have no idea how to. Spare us your spineless decisions. Your scripted press conferences. Your clueless facial expressions.
2: Your overwhelming enthusiasm for field goals.
4: Your failed attempts at being coy with players' injuries.
2: And the shotgun draw.
4: And do us all a favor and admit that you're way in over your head.
2: This is widespread incompetence from top to bottom, and what this team's brass has done to this organization and its players is downright criminal. Phillips Rivers doesn't deserve this.
4: Antonio Gates doesn't deserve this.
2: And Chargers fans, you don't deserve it either. you remember the most interesting man in the world commercials from Dos Equis? Well, here was our spoof with Mike McCoy as the least interesting man in the world.
5: From the folks who brought you the most interesting man in the world, introducing the least interesting man in the world. His favorite color is beige. He once threw a boomerang... it decided not to come back. His favorite kind of cake is rice cake. His favorite Spotify playlist is elevator music. He likes saltine crackers for the taste. San Diego Chargers head coach Mike McCoy is the least interesting man in the world. Chargers aren't always down 30-3 to three going into halftime, but when they are, he kicks field goals.
6: We'll do what's best for the football team moving forward.
4: From the least interesting man in the world to the least liked bit we've ever done. We did our own version of Johnny Carson's segment, Karnak. This is Garnak and Jamie McMahon, and I don't care. I stand by these jokes that I wrote 100%. We will do an old benchmark now, once done by the Johnny Carson Show. It's called Karnak. So and how this thing will work, if you're not old enough to remember, and this goes over your head, we can give you a little primer here. In front of us now, right here, are sealed envelopes. And inside these envelopes are the questions to an answer. No one knows these questions But Jamie will be able to predict the answer. So, Jamie's going to give me the answer of what the question is sealed in this envelope that nobody's seen. He's going to give me the answer, and I'm going to read back the question. So sit back, open your mind, and enjoy Garnack and Jamie McMahon. So, partner, give me the first answer.
2: The first answer is the Holy Roller.
4: The Holy Roller, okay. Probably referring to the immaculate deception, that controversial game-winning play by the Raiders. So let's check out the Holy Roller. Open this sealed envelope now. What does Philip Rivers call the van he drives to church in? <laughs> <laughs> the holy roller. <laughs> Moving
2: on here. The next the next answer is. Off to a rough start here.
4: <laughs>
2: and the next answer is
4: 1963. Well, that should be easy. That's the year the Chargers won the AFL championship. Let's see here. That should be easy. How does Chargers owner Dean Spanos camp to 10? 1963. Oh. <laughs> Moving on, the
2: next answer is a falling star. A
4: falling star, huh? A falling star. What do you call Eric Weddle in this stage of his career?
2: And as we move on, the next answer is Big Ben, Rob Gronkowski... And Mike McCoy's favorite pair of shoes. Okay,
4: Big Ben, Rob Gronkowski, and Mike McCoy's favorite pair of shoes. Big Ben, Rob Gronkowski, and Mike McCoy's favorite shoes. The question is, what is a clock, a jock, and Crocs?
2: (laughs) The next question is, take the money and run.
4: Take the Money Run, a famous Steve Miller song. This should be pretty easy, too. But I've been wrong each time. The question is, what did Donald Butler say to his agent after accepting his contract with the Chargers?
2: And the next answer is Jamba
4: Juice. Jamba Juice. Jamba Juice name Joey Bosa's agent Brian Iropes next employer
2: that's funny because he's
4: got a <laughs>
2: <laughs> next answer and the next answer is Louis C.K.
4: Joe Camel and Melvin Ingram Louis C.K. Joe Camel and Melvin Ingram name a joker a smoker and a midnight toker
2: I know that song was going to wind up one of these jokes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Melvin Orr, Ingram, uh, his weed
2: is potent. That is for sure. Last but not least, the last answer is
4: catch twenty-two. Catch twenty-two. Catch twenty-two. Uh, what do wide receivers do with a hundred passes thrown by Zach Mettenberger? Catch twenty-two. <laughs> He's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We've done a lot of song parodies on this show, over 100 episodes. Here are some of the best.
6: We'll do what's best for the football team uh, moving forward. we got to find a way to win that football game. we just got to do a better job. We didn't get it done. We're going to continue to grind it out. You were young, and you thought you had some answers, and you don't. Just keep fighting. It's a long season. A ton of credit for the effort. We're going to evaluate every position every week. Uh, uh. I mean, there's too many computers these days. This is Jamie and I's love story with the <laughs> San Diego
4: Chargers season. And before you listen, just know, there are some bad words in here. So listen to this. McCoy, fuck that noise. You drafted those guys. That's your own goddamn fault. They continue to put these guys in
2: positions that, that they can't succeed in. I mean, the biggest example is Donald Butler. He's on the field. He can't succeed on the field. Get him off the fucking yeah. field.
4: Gotta take a little time. Burn it to the fucking ground. A little time to think things over.
2: Telesco completely fucked this roster.
4: That front seven is bullshit. I better read between the lines. Fuck it. In case I need it when I'm older. You know what they also did on Sunday? And this is where they crossed the fucking line. If the Chargers score two touchdowns, Charger fans get a free jumbo jet. They fucked fans out of a goddamn tubo chest.
3: Are you <laughs> fucking it. kidding me, Chargers? That's it. In my life, what the fuck? Motherfucker. Son of a bitch. I might
1: be the only
4: person backing you. I'm sick of your shit already.
3: I wanna know what love is.
2: But that is such a distant fucking memory at this point. I want
3: you to show me.
2: Let him burn this thing to the ground. I wanna feel what love is.
4: Are you fucking out of your mind? The guy that we've been touting a little bit is the Chargers' seventh-round pick, the rookie, Donovan Clark. And he's the one who tore his ACL. Yes. And uh, he's going to miss the entire season as well. So let's let's take a moment real quick and remember Donovan Clark. I am a big fan of Donovan Clark.
0: I will remember you.
4: You know who looked really, really good at the beginning of Rookie Minicam? Will
0: you remember?
4: I think you should start remembering his name now. Don't let your
0: life pass you by.
4: The seventh round picked Donovan Clark. All throughout training camp, this guy has just stuck out. In fact, he's thrown the veteran Sean Lismore to the ground twice. He's had two pancakes on Sean Lismore. I'm telling you, the more I watch Donovan Clark, the more he looks like he could be the best backup offensive lineman that the Chargers have right now. He's progressed better than Turk. He looks better than Hairston. He looks better than Burwell. What have I been telling you guys about Donovan Clark? That's my dude. Donovan Clark looked great his first game in preseason. Is he not the best backup lineman the Chargers have right now? of course here's my song parody of the gary Shanling show shortly after gary Shanling had passed away this was on our mammoth defensive line draft show last year that needed a break in between all right so that's defensive ends and though it's a long show i guess it's time for a little inter- intermission so we'll be right back this is the intermission lightning round intermission this show will run long so we decided to make a stopping point i'm almost halfway finished do you even get this reference it's the theme from the gary shandling show gary shandling recently passed so here's a little homage go to hbo and watch the larry sanders show now this was a bad idea probably shouldn't have done this but let's get back to the show Let's preview some defensive tackles. Sorry. All right. Let's talk about some defensive tackles.
2: As the man who was featured on ESPN by Max Kellerman for his work on Joey Bosa, I think it's important for me to introduce these next clips. It's the journey through our love for Joey Bosa, beginning in September 2015 with hashtag blow it up for Bosa and leading us all the way through his rookie season.
4: At this point, why don't the Chargers just lose out? Season's already over. There's nothing left to fight for. Go ahead and try to get the top pick and get a Joey Bosa in this draft class. A difference maker. Let's go hashtag blow it up for Bosa. A hashtag down with the tank. Something. Let's get this going. Let's get the best player in this draft. Yeah, I'd be happy. Definitely. I mean, Bosa's my number one option for the Chargers. So, yes, I would be. I'd be happy with any scenario that gets... Bosa and Lightning Bolts, for sure. At Dylan Chrisman, who on this team would you want to keep going forward? Hashtag get down with the tank. Hashtag blow it up for Bosa. I hope those catch on. I see, they keep popping up every week. Blow it up for Bosa, get down with the tank. (laughs) But for me, I'm definitely team Bosa. Hey, just a one-man wrecking crew. I mean, if you saw what he did to Illinois on Saturday. With one arm, he was pushing offensive linemen on their ass. I mean, He is just a difference maker, and I love him. So
2: I'm definitely Joey Bosa. So I I like Bosa. I've been saying all year that he's my number one guy, and that's the guy I want the Chargers to take at number three.
4: Just as successful in the run game as he is, a pass rusher. Wins with strong hands. You mentioned his hands. Always keeping himself clean. Generates power. All done at a high level.
2: Bosa is a technically sound player who plays with a great motor. And generally, he just outworks and outmuscles offensive linemen.
4: The combination of power, technique, awareness, preparation, it's all NFL ready. And I think it'll translate into a difference maker. I
2: love pretty much everything about his game.
4: We're on the exact same page. And I didn't think we actually were going to be. I thought you'd come down on Bosa a little bit. Who is the number one guy on your draft board if you are the San Diego Chargers? It's not popular, but it's still Joey Bosa. It's Really? Yeah, I know it's not popular. I might be the only person still on the Joey Bosa train. Well, I think Jamie might be too, but yeah, everybody's, everybody's off. I just, I don't see how he fits on this team.
2: So what will Jamie do? Jamie, because he understands that defenses are built from the inside out, Mm -hmm. is going to take Joey Bosa. He is going to not concern himself with a one game suspension.
4: You can say I, by the way. I'm I'm, (laughs) speaking (laughs) in third person.
2: I'm going to take Bosa. I'm Uh, not going to concern myself with a one-game suspension. I'm going to concern myself with the best defensive lineman in this draft class. Bosa. Bosa. Bosa.
4: I'm doing the Bosa shrug if you can't see. But uh, this is the first guy drafted by the Chargers who got the Lightning Round podcast seal of approval. The man that we advocated to blow it up for Bosa for all season long. The Chargers selected defensive end Joey Bosa with the third overall pick. And for once, they got it right. Jamie, say hello to the people all the way from Minnesota. Hey, everybody. He's uh, he's stuck. The whole team left Minnesota, but Jamie's still left in his hotel. <laughs> I'm still here. I was in Minnesota, and I couldn't even
2: go to the game. I was traveling during the game. so But I'm here for a week. Lucky me.
4: And he's also here for the Lightning Round podcast. And today, like I said, is a good day. Nay, it is a great day. It
3: is a great
4: day. It is a day in which he has returned. Of course, you know that the Lightning Round podcast started the Blow It Up for Bosa campaign. We were some of the given few who pushed the Chargers to draft Joey Bosa. Over Jalen Ramsey. Over DeForest Buckner. Over Ronnie Stanley. And he has now signed with the San Diego Chargers, Jamie. Bosa. Bosa. Bosa.
2: The best defensive lineman in the draft by far. The most technically sound. Explosive with his first step. Just a brute who bullies guards left and right. It's a great day to have him on the roster. I cannot wait to see this kid play in lightning bolts.
4: A man who's going to make Corey Leggett's job a lot easier. A man who's an underrated run defender that nobody wants to talk about. Everybody wants to talk about that spin move, that bull rush, his nasty hands. But he's going to help out pass rush, run game. He's going to help it all. Joey Bosa has signed with the San Diego Chargers after 84 long days. The holdout is over. The holdout is over. The holdout is over. (laughs) We all witnessed Joey Bosa's greatness. Right? The prodigal son has returned. (laughs) May may the Joey Bosa era reign. Bosa is the captain now. <laughs> uh, let's uh let's talk about the day we all had the pleasure of watching Joey Bosa at Bullfan in Denver, of course. As, when are you and Jamie getting matching Bosa shrug tattoos?
2: I don't know about the shrug tattoo. I was thinking maybe 99 on my on
4: my right shoulder. Uh do you think people think that's JJ J. Watt? <laughs> of course not because no. this is the new 99 here.
2: This is the 99.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's a great idea, but I don't think we need to put Bosa on our body to remember how much we love Bosa, right? I mean, (laughs) we don't need to be reminded how right we were about this draft. No, absolutely not. We will never, ever forget that. (laughs) And neither will you listening to this podcast. No, we won't let you. (laughs) For that sake. Never.
6: (laughs) (laughs) With the third pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the San Diego Chargers select... Joey
2: Bosa, defensive end, Joey Bosa has been named the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Bosa is the third charger to ever win the award, joining Leslie O'Neill and Sean Merriman. Joey Bosa finished the season with 10 and a half sacks.
4: Bosa posted the most sacks by an NFL rookie since 2011, which were the second most by a Chargers rookie.
2: He finished the season with at least a half a sack in each of the final six games, which is the longest stretch by any Chargers player since Marcellus Wiley.
4: Bosa totaled 48 total tackles, 45 pressures, 19 tackles for a loss, 15 QB hits, two passes defensed, and one forced fumble. He became
2: the first player since Elvis Dumerville to post a pair of two sack performances in his first three NFL games.
4: He was also named NFL Rookie of the Month twice, was the Pro Football Riders Defensive Rookie of the Year, the Chargers Co-Lineman of the Year, and was a fourth alternate for the Pro Bowl. Pro Football Focus
2: ranked Bosa as the fifth highest edge defender, collecting more pressures through his first 12 games than any player in the last 11 years. Also graded as the 13th best pass rusher in all of the NFL.
4: And Joey Bosa did all of this in just 12 games.
1: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, speaking
4: of Jamie big-timing us, here's our Halloween special. This is the Lightning Round Podcast, Haunted House.
2: This is the Halloween intro of the Lightning Round Podcast. <laughs>
5: Welcome to the lightning round podcast, Haunted House, where all your nightmares come to life. I will take you down these dank, dark halls to each room that is scarier than the next. Now please, walk with me.
4: Are you a fan of haunted houses? I was as a kid. It's been a while since I've been in one. Do you think you're going to jump out at these rooms? Nah, I'll be fine.
5: The first stop on our frightful tour... Is the overly optimistic Chargers fans room? Enter if you dare. Chargers about to go 16 0, Super Bowl bound. That's what we do. Bolt up. Melvin Gordon's a beast. Antonio Gates is about to break the tight end record. Bolt up. Melvin Ingram's gonna get 16 sacks, baby. Corey Legit's gonna have like sixty run stops. This defense is gonna be a monster. Nobody's gonna score on them. They're gonna beast out. Bolt up, baby. Super Melvin, Fiva Island, alien receivers. Super Bowl bow,
2: baby. Keenan Allen's gonna catch hundred and twenty passes for three thousand yards. Rivers is gonna go for six thousand and like forty touchdowns. Nobody's going to be able to stop this offense. Denzel Perriman's going to beast out. He's going to have 10 sacks. Verette, he's the best, man. 10 picks, easy. Nobody can throw on him. He's a shutdown corner. Pro Bowl all the way. Man, that was terrifying. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm sweating bullets over here. I've never seen anything quite like that before.
4: I didn't want to spend another minute in that room. I'm no. so glad we got out of there. Thank
2: God we got out of there as quickly as we did.
5: What's next? Our next stop is a room with the four-down sequence in Denver from the two-yard line.
4: I don't get what's so scary about this. I've already watched this four-down series like three times already. It's not that scary. What? How is this scary? I don't get it.
5: On repeat.
4: Oh, Jesus. The
3: Chargers have to go and get a touchdown here with 2.54 to go. First and goal at the two. Trip formation to the left. McGrath the tight end on the right side. Gordon over the right shoulder of Rivers, who's fading back. Lobbing, end zone incomplete. Gordon in the backfield, one on the play clock. Back goes Phillip, getting rushed, about to get hit. Gotta get rid of it. And he chucks it incomplete at the right pylon, getting chased by DeMarcus Ware. Play clock almost out. Rivers has the football, getting rushed. Zips it to the corner of the end zone. Incomplete, no flag, looking for Gates. You had it first and goal at the two. They have passed on every play. Nothing's happened yet. Play clock at one, Rivers has the football, getting blitzed, throwing, end zone, batted down, and the Chargers turn it over. The Chargers have to go and get a touchdown here with 2.54 to go, first and goal at the two. Trips formation to the left, McGrath the tight end on the right side, Gordon over the right shoulder of Rivers, who's fading back, lobbing, end zone incomplete.
2: Well, I'll never watch that series again. Nope, I definitely had enough of that.
5: As we continue our tour... We now venture to a place where no person wants to be. It's the Garrett's Pretentious Music Room. This is where he drones on about vinyl music.
4: The thing about vinyl that makes it so great and why you have to listen to vinyl records is it's fully analog. It's fully lossless. It's how artists intended music to be listened to. That's how they put it out there. They didn't want it crushed down to an mp3. They wanted that full body. They wanted that warm sound. Put on your headphones. Put it in your speakers. Drop that needle down and listen to that vinyl. Listen to the full array of sounds all around you. Open up that jacket. Look at the liner notes. Look at the artwork. It's how music is supposed to be listened to. It's not this tinny, crushed-down music. It is a full... I didn't think that was so bad. That was awful. Are you freaking kidding me?
2: I don't don't get it. Who talks about vinyl that much? What a pompous ass.
5: Now, let's enter a maddening place. This is the Jamie is always right room. Let's see how long it takes before he tries to big time you.
2: I was right about Bosa. I told you he had the best hands in the draft. I told you he had the best footwork in the draft. I told you nobody could touch him. I told you time and time again, you built a defense from the inside out. Look what happens when you draft a defensive end who can get to the quarterback. My God, what if the Chargers had gotten him on the field at the right time? What if they had signed him in June and he had been there for training camp and the preseason and the first four games? I told you the Chargers were cheap. Even ESPN agreed with me. They picked up my article. They did a whole segment on me. I was in the Washington
4: Post. Okay, so that's the worst room. I might go back to the four-down series room. That's how bad that last room was.
2: No, that room was awesome. Like You don't know what you're talking about.
5: Let's keep going. Now keep walking and enter into a room full of nightmares. This is the Mike McCoy press conference room, where he spouts his cliches over and over. We'll
6: do what's best for the football team. Uh, moving forward. We were doing what was best for the football team to win. We got to find a way to win that football game. We just got to do a better job. It's 11 guys doing their job better. We're going to continue to grind it out. That's what we thought was the best interest of the football team that game. Everybody doing their job right. Uh, you got to put players in a position to succeed and they've got, they've got to do their job. We give our players a ton of credit for the effort. We didn't get it done. Just keep fighting. Playing the game the way we want to play it. It's a long season. Everyone on the football team's got room for improvement. It was an instinct initially that I said kick the field goal and
4: Let's do what's best for this podcast and get the hell out of that room.
2: Uh, I'm sorry. What? Did, is that room over?
5: Yes. Thank God. This last room will conclude our tour, and is the scariest of them all. You are now entering the Dean Spanos is the owner of your favorite football team room.
4: Wait, I don't. I don't understand. There's just mirrors in here. I don't. What is this? Wait, we live this every day.
2: Dean is the owner of our favorite football team. This is real life. <laughs> Lastly, we end this hundredth episode with the biggest thing we've ever done. It was our serial parody, the investigative report of who killed the Chargers 2015 season.
1: That means I believe they can go 9-7 and seven for a third straight year. And number six, the drum roll. Oh, here hey. we go! Here we go! Super Chargers. Let's go football, they wow. call AFC West.
0: They could be 10-6 and because there are a lot of games here that are those
3: trap games that could go either way. All right, a lot is invested into Melvin Gordon. It seems like he's going to be the linchpin, the keystone of the season. We'll see how hard he
1: runs and where he can take the Chargers in 2015. My prediction for the Chargers? San Diego is about to end Denver's four-year stranglehold on the division winning 11 games or so and ruling the AFC West for the first time since 2009. Spoiler alert, the Chargers are my surprise pick for the AFC Super Bowl berth. Super Bowl berth. Super Bowl berth.
4: From the studios in San Diego, California, it's the Lightning Round podcast. The Chargers 2015 season told in one episode. I'm Garrett Sisty and I'm Jamie Hoyle. Every Sunday for the last 17 weeks, we slowly watched the demise of the San Diego Chargers. We tried to get to the root of this unique case and investigate what exactly happened to the Chargers during those 16 games. We had to ask ourselves, who's to blame? Who's at fault? I want you to think about a team that was projected for the playoffs. A popular pick to win the AFC West. A Super Bowl sleeper. Now fast forward to the end of the season. The Chargers among one of the worst teams in the NFL, and are currently being mocked as much as the Browns. The Browns. Could it be all from head coach Mike McCoy? Was it the players? Was it Professor Plum with the candlestick in the dining room? Was it General Manager Tom Telesco? Did it go higher than that to owner Dean Spanos? We set out to find answers to the all-important question. Who killed the San Diego Chargers 2015 season? To understand this story... We have to start at the beginning. And this story starts in February
6: 2015. Land transaction deal that would allow an NFL stadium to be built in Carson closed this morning. So the D for the 157 acre space, which used to be a landfill, is now controlled by the city of Carson and they will lease it to the stadium authority if a stadium is in fact built there. Meanwhile, 11 more acres were also sold to a group that's owned jointly by the Chargers and the Raiders. Carson
3: together, that's what they're calling this effort. A plan to build a split-use stadium in Carson to be shared by the now San Diego Chargers and now Oakland Raiders. And the mayor
0: says the Chargers have been keeping the stadium deal a secret for months.
3: As the mayor of San Diego,
2: Kevin Falconer, is scrambling to formulate a plan for a new stadium, Dean Spanos not-so-subtly leaks the team's genius plan to build a new stadium on a dump site in Carson with the Raiders. In his infinite wisdom, the bastion of big business himself decided the best way to build political will and fan support for a new stadium in San Diego was to not only build a stadium on a literal dump site in the armpit otherwise known as Carson, California, but to enter into a partnership with Raiders owner Mark Davis in order to do it. Was it a bad omen? Maybe the first step in killing the season? Perhaps. But we need to dig deeper.
4: With the future of the franchise very much in doubt, and fans already feeling uneasy, news broke that the Chargers had worked out top prospect quarterback Marcus Mariota in Oregon, and were entertaining trade inquiries for quarterback Philip Rivers. Makes sense, right? I mean, what better way for a football team to market itself, Ahmed relocation speculation, than to drag the franchise quarterback through public and prolonged trade speculation? If we didn't know any better, we'd say the Chargers were trying to piss off their fan base.
2: From there, we fast forward to early March and the free agency signing period, which the Chargers entered armed with plenty of cash and a multitude of holes to fill. For once, the Chargers were aggressive and, at least on paper, productive.
6: We knew coming out of January we had some, some team needs, some areas of improvement we're looking for. Left tackle was it was a crucial spot for us, um, a key position. Uh, King was a free agent, you know he was the best left tackle available really on the market. Brandon Flowers, I think universally is one of the, you know one or two top corners available on the market this year, and, and we're lucky enough to get him back. And offensive line has been an area that we we want to improve on. And Orlando Franklin was our you know, our main target through the whole thing. Special teams, my two years here, we just haven't been good enough returning kicks and punts. And uh, a position that, or an area that we had to get better at. And, um, you know, Jacoby became available, and Jacoby is, uh, you know, is one of the better dual returners, kicks and punts in the league.
4: After a busy and fruitful free agency period, Tom Telesco is anointed a hero. He had bolstered the offensive line with Orlando Franklin and Joe Barksdale, added a game breaker on special teams and Jacoby Jones, and re signed the likes of Brandon Flowers and King Dunlap. Success. The town is abuzz with excitement, and GM Tom Telesco looks like a genius. This is where we should have noticed something was wrong. Chargers left small clues, but the excitement from the potential of this team blinded us from what was right in front of us. It all started with Melvin Ingram's introduction.
6: The Chargers'
4: outside
2: linebacker released a track entitled Intro, under the moniker YPC Mel, on his SoundCloud account. While digging into his rap past, we found YPC stood for Young Paper Chasers, which was the record label he released the song on. It wasn't until the 51 second mark where things took a turn.
6: No time for
4: That was my word is smoking. My weed is potent. No time for joking. Not uncommon to have weed references to rap tracks, except for the fact that he's employed by the NFL, and that is against their substance abuse policy. Not only does he snitch on himself, but he then proceeds to say, no time for joking, as if to say, seriously, I smoke. I'm not kidding. I consume marijuana regularly. Ingram has never been caught, if that is indeed the case, but just one of the early warning signs that this team may be slipping.
2: Soon after, rookie inside linebacker Denzel Perriman steps out of line during Chargers OTAs. But it wasn't on the field that got the young buck in hot water. See, Perryman had been limited in OTAs because of a hamstring injury, but he then chose to attend a charity dodgeball game.
0: Dodgeball. Fun, competitive, and if you're San Diego Charger Denzel Perryman, a big no-no. The Chargers' second-round pick took part in a dodgeball charity event with teammates over the weekend, and his coach was not too happy about it. Perriman has been limited in the team's workouts because of a hamstring injury, so Mike McCoy wasn't thrilled to see the linebacker exert himself playing dodgeball. McCoy told the San Diego Union Tribune, it's been discussed. That's all I'm going to say. I've discussed it with him. That's it. You've got to get past these tests here before you do all that stuff. Luckily, Perriman appears to have made it through the dodgeball tournament without aggravating his sore hammy.
4: Why was he playing dodgeball when he was supposedly too injured to play with his team? We went and talked to a man that attended that very dodgeball game, Coach Samuel Anders, who was a dodgeball expert and enthusiast, former Pyramid star, and coach at Helix High School in San Diego, California. Now, Coach Anders, can you tell me your background?
1: I've been a physical education teacher for 12 years, the captain of the back-to-back extreme dodgeball league champions, the dodge fathers and referee when we don't have dodgeball practice
4: okay so you were at that San Diego after school all-stars dodgeball tournament when Denzel Perryman was playing right
3: yes I was I was doing some scouting while I was there
4: as an expert on the sport do you think the movement from Denzel that day that maybe he was injured did it look like his hamstring was bothering him
1: Look, I've been doing this a long time, okay? I didn't get the nickname "Long Shot" for nothing. Denzel used the jumping splits, the jump off, and did what we call a
2: barrel roll to dodge three consecutive balls in a sequence and then got up and eliminated his opponent for the win. If he was injured, that's quite a series, but I've never seen it done before. So while we aren't insinuating that Denzel Paraman faked an injury, what we do know is that at the very least the moves he was making in that dodgeball tournament could not have helped his pre-existing injury. Just another indication, this coaching staff did not have a good grasp on its players.
4: So you're thinking to yourself, a guy raps about smoking the sticky icky icky, and another plays a game kids play on the playground. What's the problem? Adnan Saeed smoked weed. Does that make him guilty of murdering Hay? You may be asking, how do you pin this on the coach? Can't that just be a case of a few bad apples? Well, a larger crisis arose.
3: Another Chargers practice, another day without Eric Weddle. The team's off post safety missed the first day of the final week off OTAs on Monday. With the sessions being voluntary, Weddle isn't subject to discipline.
2: Then came the Eric Weddle debacle, which, depending on whom you believe, was either a case of Weddle simply overvaluing himself, or the Chargers refusing to negotiate with their All-Pro safety. Regardless, Tom Telesco allowed this to get ugly fast, as Weddell's agent took to social media to point out how disrespected his $7 million a year safety felt, how poorly the Chargers were spending their money, and that Weddle was done as a Charger.
4: Head coach Mike McCoy would later hold a closed-door meeting in which he told the team it was time to, quote, move on without Weddle, and that it was time to, quote, not focus on players who don't want to be here, end quote. Which clearly missed a mark based on the number of players who couldn't wait to dish the contents of the meeting to the local media. Probably not a good indication of Mike McCoy's command in the locker room.
3: San Diego coach Mike McCoy is adamant about not talking about Weddle or any Charger not attending, but defensive tackle Corey Leggett said the defense having to work without its captain isn't significant. It's not really a distraction for us, Legit said. I'm pretty sure he's working hard somewhere getting in shape. Weddle is ticked off because of his contract situation. He's entering the final year of his deal, and the Chargers, despite saying otherwise earlier in the year, aren't interested in offering an extension.
2: Heading into training camp, an
3: important headline
2: was then right tackle DJ Fluker's possible move inside to right guard with the new addition of right tackle Joe Barksdale. The team denied Fluker's shift to guard, but they did push a different agenda. They announced that DJ Fluker looked to be in, quote, great shape, and in an interview with DJ, he revealed he was down to 345 pounds and feeling more comfortable. The most suspicious part of this story? DJ Fluker played the 2014 season at 350 pounds, meaning from the Chargers' last game on December 28, 2014, to May 10th, 2015 when the article was published fluker lost a grand total of five pounds in exactly four months and 13 days to get a better understanding of the magnitude of this weight loss we called the top sports medicine physician at johns hopkins dr michaela quinn hello dr quinn yes this is jamie We spoke earlier about getting your expertise on a case we're working on. Quickly, though. I'm about to go into surgery. There is a football player, specifically an offensive lineman, who lost five pounds in a little over four months. Would you consider that extreme? No. Would you categorize that as a lot? Hello? Why was Fluker's loss of five pounds in four months a story? Was it meant to be a distraction?
4: To hide the fact that this team knew it wasn't going to be any good? Well, the preseason further cloaked the dilemma facing the San Diego Chargers. The offense looked dynamic with the offensive line playing with a mean demeanor. Rookie running back Melvin Gordon showing promise, and C.B. Johnson adding a new wrinkle to the offense. The defense looked aggressive with exotic blitzes and getting pressure not seen around this team in quite some time, but more importantly, the team came out of the four preseason games primarily unscathed by injuries.
2: The team was healthy, the pieces in place, and then the Lions came to town for week one in San Diego.
0: Four-man rush, crossing pattern, and into the end zone is Stevie Johnson. And now San Diego knocking on the door, in the door! and a touchdown. And then Stafford looking for golden tape, but that is incomplete. Lions forced to punt. Chargers trying to salt this one away. It's Danny Woodhead.
1: Chargers up winning this one coming all the way back. Now let's head to Cincinnati. The Bengals coming off a big win over the Raiders in Oakland. Now back home taking on the Chargers who came back to win big over the Lions. In week one, there's Andy Dalton but good in week one although drive stalls here punting. Oh, we know why, you we know show why you're showing teams, it, right? Right. <laughs> well, it's because it's a huge play. King Allen drops the punt, recovered by the Bengals, and now they are in business. Nice and hands. it was a big one for the Bengals as they moved to 2-0 with the 24-19 victory over the Chargers.
4: The Bulls started off the season 1-1. One one. After grinding out a hard-fought come-from-behind win against the Lions, they fell flat in a 24-19 loss in Cincinnati in which they turned the ball over three times, allowed four sacks of Phillip Rivers, coughed up 175 rushing yards to the Bengals. In other words, they were overwhelmed on both sides of the ball and were not able to match the Bengals' athleticism or physicality in all three phases of the game. While most coaches would see this as an opportunity to reconsider their game plan, Mike McCoy took a different approach in preparing his team for the Vikings in Week 3.
0: Philip
6: Rivers has faced a Mike Zimmer-led defense five times in his career, and last week in Cincinnati provided a bit of a dress rehearsal for what this Chargers offense will see to The Bengals still employ the defense that Zimmer brought there as coordinator for six seasons, a
1: fact that Rivers told us meant that preparation this week had a bit of a carryover effect. They were actually able to take a portion of the game plan and bring it here to Minnesota, a rarity in this week-to-week NFL
2: the old ball coach decided to recycle the same game plan for Minnesota the following week. Following the loss against the Vikings, the Chargers got a win against the Browns in Week 4. And they could have used that victory in one of two ways. They could have either used it to help bolster their confidence as a team and use it as motivation,
4: or lose. 24-20
0: the final as the Steelers win it with zeros on the clock.
4: And lose.
0: Oh, and it was knocked away on fourth
1: and goal by Demarius Randall. And Rivers cannot believe it.
4: And lose. And the Raiders end up winning
1: it
4: 37-29. And lose.
1: Ravens, second win of the season. And the Chargers have now lost yet again.
0: And lose. The fourth and 23. Rivers just throwing it up. That's bad football right there.
4: And lose again.
0: 33-3. The Bolts have lost
3: Six in a row.
4: They're now 2-8, and eight and things look bleak for the San Diego Chargers. Owner Dean Spano still has his foot out the door in San Diego and halfway to L.A. Tom Telesco's big free agent signings are by all accounts not panning out. And like Luke Skywalker to an at-hat, this machine was moving forward, and Mike McCoy roped it by the legs and brought it to the ground. The effect of the team's six-game losing streak leaked outside of Chargers Park and negatively resonated with Charger fans. Here's one glossy-eyed witness account.
0: This was my name, man. The things I saw, can't be unseen, man. For like a month and a half, I watched them slowly die. It's like a guy with diabetes continuing to eat donuts. You know what you're doing is wrong. That's going to kill you. But you just kept doing it, doing it, and yet we just have to sit and watch. Like Death by Donut. It was a tough time, man. To you. You oh, yeah.
2: With most Chargers fans sickened with the team's performance thus far, they finally manage a win in Week 12 against the Jaguars. But for head coach Mike McCoy, it serves as his breaking point. Warning. The following audio may be disturbing to some.
5: Decision to go forward, fourth and seven there. You talk to the and how surprised you to see the Phil his legs? Didn't want to deal
6: with you guys after the game if I didn't do it. That's why. No, honestly, it was a certain situation. Uh, no, I'm just you gotta have some fun. I'm glad some guys are laughing in here, at least we're having a smile. It's nice to smile every once in a while again, isn't it? It's always nice to smile in here. It's been a long time.
5: When you
4: What you're hearing is the early signs of a psychotic break. Maniacal laughter. Ramblings of a madman. A guy who is cracking under the pressure, and shortly after, can't handle the heat from the media and walks out after being questioned about a punt return.
6: We're going to do what's best for the football team to win, yes. So does that
5: mean you're going to look at other guys? you to do what's best for the football team, or are you going to continue that
6: now? We'll do what's best for the football team moving forward, like every other position on the football I team. The
5: question, or you
6: look at I the just eye did. Eye We're going to do what's best for the football team at every position. On every phase, in all three phases, Is that we can try another guy
5: or not? We're not going to answer. I didn't answer.
6: We're going to do what's best for the football team. That's not an answer. Okay. Is is Javante really best for the football team? Good. Good. Let's go with that.
2: At this time in our investigation, we knew things were dire. The curtains of fate were starting to fall. The Chargers were on their last breath. But the whole atmosphere had changed. Their oddity was palpable. It felt like the Chargers were hiding something. And then came the word. General Manager Tom Telesco had signed a contract extension.
4: Tom Telesco signed a three-year extension the offseason prior to this season, which was never reported to the media. If ever there was evidence of complete dysfunction, this was it. Frankly, we aren't sure which part of this makes the least amount of sense. Was it the three-year extension for the architect of the worst offensive and defensive lines in football? The fact that the team felt the need to hide the extension for five months? Or the decision to leak it while the team was amidst one of its worst seasons in franchise history? Unfortunately for Charger fans, it was just another day at the office for the Spanos family.
2: This brings us to the Miami game, which at least appears to be the final Chargers home game at Qualcomm. While the Bolts put on a show for their fans, this particular game was about so much more than what happened on the field. It was ultimately about the emotionally draining end of an intense love affair between fans and players, about a confusing and heart-wrenching goodbye, and about the side of the stadium negotiations and PR campaigns that is so often forgotten if not ignore it altogether. The human side.
4: The Chargers continue to lose, and ultimately die a slow death. Much like Lane Chi. death by a thousand cuts. Which brings us to our original question. Who killed the San Diego Chargers 2015 season? Of the major suspects we asked, was it owner Dean Spanos? He left the distraction of the move to L.A. ring throughout that building. Plus, he's the man who hired both Telesco and McCoy. Or was it GM Tom Telesco? The majority of his free agent acquisitions didn't pan out, and his first-round pick he traded up to get, Melvin Gordon, almost broke the record for the most touches by a rookie running back without scoring a touchdown. Or was it Chargers head coach Mike McCoy?
3: Of
2: all the suspects, he certainly had the greatest means and opportunity to tank this season as the head coach. He was, after all, responsible for the feeble-minded and recycled game plans each and every week, the failure to manage his players and the clock, and the steadfast refusal to take any chances whatsoever. I guess at the end of the day, NFL players just don't respond to Orange Slices, Capri Sun, and participation trophies. It seems they need to see results, which is the one thing McCoy hasn't delivered on a consistent basis.
4: Or were the players guilty? Were they just not talented enough? thus making them what the record says they are?
2: Was it the incompetent owner? The inept general manager? Or the inflexible head coach? Or was the team just not that good?
4: But then we thought, maybe it's not a question of or, but rather, and. So there it is, some of the best moments of the Lightning Round Podcast through 100 episodes jamie and i have been together in studio looking at each other for i think 97 or 98 episodes uh jamie took a vacation in idaho one time and we had to do it remote and then another time he was in minnesota on a business trip we had to do it remotely then too but 97 i think maybe you've been in idaho twice I, i can't remember but 97 or 98 episodes where we've been here in this room together looking at each other congratulations 100 episodes I wouldn't have done it with anybody else. Congratulations,
2: buddy. It was a lot of fun. It's quite a ride.
4: Yeah. And thank you, every single one of you that's listened. Uh, Past, present, future. We appreciate every single one of you. We wouldn't be doing this without you. The feedback has been incredible throughout this 100 episodes. Even the negative when you hate things we said and hate the things we've ripped on players about and even the great things like people talking about how it's cheered them up in dark times and you know, brought and, families
2: together. Yeah, and...
4: father-sons listening together and uh, it being a ritual. That It's all been incredible. There's been some real inspiring things that have been said and we appreciate it. Uh, we, put the, we put in the effort for you guys. So thank you so much for 100 episodes. For the 100th time, Jamie, where are you at on Twitter?
2: At lightning underscore round. I'm at Garrett Sisty. We love every one of you. Thanks, everybody.